you know, you could talk to them about history and you could talk to them about the fact that in the 19th century, 262 million people in the 19th century were, were killed by their governments. So we really shouldn't take a look at our government and just assume that everything they do is correct and everything they do is benevolent and everything that they do is in our best interest. Because if you teach your children about organizations in general, teach them that above all else, organizations are self-perpetuating. Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, Robin Openshaw here and welcome back to the Vibe show. Today I'm taking on a topic that one of you asked me to cover. I think recently I was mentioning that kids who hit about age 11 go through a developmental stage we call latency or the latency phase of childhood where they start to look away from the parents as their primary role model and they start to look at their peer group and they look to their peer group and take cues from them rather than from their parents. And so one of you sent me a message and said, could you talk more about the, the conversations that you say that you wish that you had with your children? So that's our topic today. I'm going to, you know, my background academically is as a clinical psychologist, also have a master's degree in social work and worked as a therapist, um, mostly with children and families. Um, sort of focused on sex therapy, actually, and that probably sounds uh, cooler than it is. Most of the time when you're working with couples on sex therapy, you're actually just working with them through their communication problems. Because if there's a sexual breakdown, usually it's it's a problem with communication or other issues in the marriage or getting in the way of the sexual connection. Although more and more, we're seeing um, actual hormone problems, endocrine problems, low testosterone, actual sexual dysfunction. But today I want to talk about um, if I could go back and have conversations with my kids, knowing what I know now, if I knew it then, what kind of conversations would I have? And I, I love this topic because maybe this will make me feel better about all the conversations I didn't have with them because I didn't see 2020 coming. I didn't see what was what was going to happen in 2020 and 2021. And now we are looking into another year and so much has changed and none of it for the better <clears throat> that I really feel like we should have this conversation for the sake of all those of you who have minor children and can still have these conversations with them. So just know that when your child turns 11, and you know it's not like a, a a switch gets flipped on their 11th birthday some kids are more like 12 or 13 when they start to become very preoccupied with what their peer group is doing and especially what kids that are a year or two older are doing they're looking down the road they're looking at kids barely older than them a 13 year old girl does not take her cues from 23 year old women let alone their mothers and so just getting over that and realizing that latency uh, phase of childhood is a normal phase and that they're supposed to do this, then like half of your problem will be solved. And you'll just remember that and just put it, put a little note card up on your mirror if you need to and say latency phase of childhood is normal. Well, the next phase, and this is what, as we went into uh, such a sea change in our culture where our children are being hypnotized by some cult-like behaviors that I'm really concerned about, and I'll touch on them, I really wish that I had had more conversations about that. I wish that I had alerted my children to the fact that they would be lured into a cult. Well, the problem is for those of us who are parents of teenagers and young adults is that the developmental task of of an adolescent and a young adult is to individuate. And so they may do things, and a lot of you are really concerned about your kids getting the vaccine, so am I. And I have talked to all of my children all year about it, and I became super concerned about it at the end of 2020. And the problem with that is that if you push too hard, you may find that your children go and get the vaccines just because you told them not to. 
So a lot of that will depend on the strength of your relationship with them. It'll depend on whether they see you as a good role model or subject matter expert and whether they feel like that you did your homework, whether they feel like you're giving them good information. And, you know, we have a a page that we'll put down in the show notes that I built literally for my children, knowing full well, they might not even look at that page, but some of you could bribe your kids 50 bucks to go spend two hours with the content on this page and then have a 20 minute conversation with you. So I did that. Um, the amount of money I had to pay my children was, um, embarrassingly high, but that's because you can't make a different deal with each kid. And the two children who make a lot of money, like six figures every summer doing summer sales. And if you guys want your, your 18 plus year old to work for my son, they'll get really good sales skills and really good talking skills. My son is a very good talker and he's 21 years old and he's just finished his third summer of doing summer sales. And this year he ran a group of 12 kids. So let me know if you want your child to be mentored by mine. They're working in Southern California. They're working in Irvine, California during the summer. And they work for a great small business, this uh, small businessman. I've gotten to know him over the years because he's employed two of my kids. Well, here's the problem with those of us who didn't see this coming and have young adult children is that it's normal and it's healthy for kids to individuate. When I was my youngest son's age, which is 21, I was realizing how totally dysfunctional the home I grew up in was. And guess what? Most homes are anywhere from slightly to very dysfunctional, right? Dysfunctional covers a whole gamut of sins and deficits in parenting. But I was raised in a home where, you know, one of my parents was really into hitting and screaming and name calling. And so there was lots of physical abuse. And uh, I knew when I was 21 that I knew that I didn't want to be my mother, but I also was smart enough to know that I didn't want to be a reaction to my mother. Just because she was extremely controlling about everything from whether you were a half an inch off on how much juice you poured yourself from the commissary to you know what you did in going to church or whatever. I didn't want to become the lenient parent either. So I was at least by the age of in my 20s aware that becoming a reaction to my mom was still my mom controlling me and still me being the kind of parent that I didn't want to be. That's that, that still left the question of, well, then what kind of parent do I want to be? And so I wanted to be a kind of parent who encouraged my children and gave them a lot of opportunities, um, but made them find their own way. If they had a heartbreak, then I might be there to give them a hug, but I didn't try to solve their problems. And I didn't you know, act as if the person who dumped them was a bad person or you know, try to shield them from pain because I feel like pain is what makes us stronger. And when your child gets through a heartbreak, for instance, what they learn from it when they get six months down the road and they don't have any more pain about it is they realize next time somebody dumps them, I'll get through this. I'll be okay. Just like when they were a toddler and you would leave them with a babysitter and they would kick and wail and scream. It's because they didn't understand mommy's coming back. Then you come back after going out to dinner and you pick up your child and your child realizes, oh, mommy goes away, but mommy comes back. So there's different things that a child has to learn all along the way, but It's really terrifying to have children who are in the process of individuating and and saying, I don't like this about my mom, or I don't want to be like my mom. I want to be my own person. That's completely normal. We should just smile at that. We should just laugh. We should just let it be. The problem is that our children who are 21, or in my case, my children are 21, 20, for 26 and 28 is that they might go out and get the vaccine because they haven't had the experiences that I've had where I've learned not to trust the government and not to trust the pharmaceutical industry. They're not trustworthy. That's why it's not because I had some rare adverse reaction. It's because, and these are some of the things that I wish that I talked to my children about. I wish I had told them I don't think that they knew this going into this debacle. It didn't occur to me that they were going to try to get adults on a mandatory vaccine schedule and that they would do it with fear and they would do it fast. 
because we are really right on the edge of having a vaccine schedule that we're not allowed out of without be, without losing our jobs or our ability to participate in society. And it won't stop with the COVID vaccine. I mean, it's clear now that the COVID vaccine isn't working, that whatever immunity people may have gotten from it, that it's gone within a few months. And so, and now, now we've got this Omicron thing that is basically a cold. The symptoms are no worse than a cold. People aren't dying. It's much less lethal. You know, I think it was worldwide 99.97% survived the first strain lower than that in the U.S. where they're killing people in the hospital with remdesivir. And still some of the ER doctors and ICU doctors haven't figured that out. They haven't figured out, oh, there's another thing that was new along with COVID is that suddenly this drug that none of us have ever used is forced on every single patient in the hospital. Well, talking to my children about vaccines and why I stopped vaccinating my children because their oldest brother, Kincaid, got so very sick that he was in and out of hospitals. And I then injured him again, not realizing, not connecting the two. And his symptoms got that much worse and he almost died many times. And then I wish I had told them. And then Emma came along and I gave her the same injections and the same thing happened. Suddenly this perfectly healthy child has as much in out of the hospital or she wasn't in out of the hospital, but she was on, they wanted me to put her on bronchodilators and steroids and the same whole thing. And she got horrible eczema, worse than her brother ever did. She was just covered with eczema. And I started putting the steroid cream because I had eczema too from my flu jab. And I had not yet put all these things together or read about how common these are as reactions, these autoimmune reactions to getting these pharmaceutical injections. Well, eventually when I injured my second child, I was like, wait a minute, what is happening here? I had two perfectly healthy children. And then as soon as I get them these injections, they get sick. So I just wish that I had told my kids that. And you know what? You've probably heard me say this before, but car time is magical time. Because if you bring it up when you're in the kitchen, like let's say you want to have a sex talk with your kids. You bring it up when you're in the kitchen, your kid is going to get up and leave. When you're in the car going somewhere, especially those 20-minute, 30-minute, one-hour car rides, those are magical. First of all, you have time to just listen. Kids don't necessarily express themselves that well. But while you're in the car, kids can say whatever, and you're trapped there, but they're trapped there more importantly. So they're not going to open the door and end up on the asphalt. They have to get where they're going and they're trapped in the car with you. And so it's a great time to, to start a conversation about something that matters to you. That's going to take you 20 or 30 minutes to actually have the conversation and the back and forth. So just don't squander car time. Don't squander car time and and have have whatever it is you're you're wanting to talk to them about in your mind and be thinking about how you want to bring it up with them. Another really magical thing that you can use with teenagers and also young adults, is that whatever you're going to say, even if you know darn well, they don't know anything about what you're about to say, start with, you probably already know this, but, and then whatever you say after that, they are now listening twice as much as they would have otherwise, because they want to figure out, well, did I know it? Did I know this thing that my mom's going to tell me? But seriously, use that. It's complete magic. Just say, you probably already know this, but now see what you've done is you've kind of made your child your equal and you've kind of given them some props. Like, I know you do your own thinking. I know you do your own research and then tell them something that's really important to you about the stuff that's going on in the world. Another thing that I wish I had done is that in the few years after I divorced my children's father, I let go of the decades of programming that I had in a certain specific religious sect. And so I might say that it was a cult because it actually hits on every single level of cult behavior, including that you're kind of thrown out, you're shunned. They, they tell their children not to have anything to do with you if you don't believe what they believe, which is kind of like thing number one with religious cults or cults in general. Um, but I sort of, quietly started separating myself from that. But I sort of threw the baby out with the bathwater. And I really wish that I could have 
compressed that 10 years and had it not be when I had four children at home so that they saw me have to spend 10 years unlearning and healing and relearning and deciding that I am absolutely a daughter of God and I'm a Christian and nobody can take that from me. And without my Christianity, I don't know how I would have survived the last two years. And I wish that as I left the church that I raised my children in, I wish that I had been really, really clear with them that in the end, God saves, that we know the end of this story. We don't know if, you know, I mean, throughout a couple thousand years of human history, um, the enemies of Christians have smote off their heads. Okay, we could, God God will sit here and possibly watch terrible, terrible things happen to his children, and it's because he has an eternal view. So I don't necessarily think there's going to be a rapture and we're going to be all taken up and have to, uh, and, and be able to skip all the horrors that come from here on out. But I do think that we're called as children of God to be the watchman on the tower. And I feel called to that. And I feel like you, that it's a responsibility of mine to speak up to my children every chance I get. Another issue that some of us are having, I've heard some of you say this, it makes me feel a little less alone. But I was so panicked about my children getting the jabs because the TV and the government were so, they were lying to them. They were saying, it'll protect you. You you can have, you can go out there and you can travel and you can have your life as long as you just get these two jabs. I knew that two was a lie. I knew that um, getting the jabs would make you safe was a lie. I knew that they wouldn't really give them their lives back. I knew all of it was a lie, but how do you convince them of that? So the, the mistake that I occasionally made, and luckily I had learned this earlier in life, especially with my youngest son, where he and I were together for four years after the other kids left, is that if I walked in the kitchen and it looked like a bomb went off and he was supposed to have cleaned the kitchen the night before and didn't, then when he walked in from school, I didn't jump right down his, his throat about the dirty kitchen. I would require myself to have a five minute conversation with him where we talked about how was school today and what happened with this girl and what happened with that test. And it was only after I required myself to spend five minutes showing interest in him and loving on him. If I then turned to the dirty kitchen and said, Hey, what, what happened here last night? He would say, Oh, I'm sorry, mom, I'll clean it up right now. However, if he walked in from school and I came right down on him, then I would hear, hear things like, all you do is talk about what I do wrong around here. All you, you know, what, so you just skip all that by having conversations and reminding him, Hey, I'm on team Tennyson. I'm on your team. Right. So that's what reminds him of doing that more than saying it. Although I'm also not above saying, you know, if things get weird with one of my kids, I'm like, Remember, I'm your biggest cheerleader, right? Like I may call you out when I see you doing things that I don't agree with, but remember, nobody loves you more. Mom here is on Team Tennyson or Team Emma or Team Libby or Team Kincaid, whatever. So um, I wish that I had, when I was in such a panic about the vaccine and I was sending them information and sending them more information, it got to be that my youngest son would make jokes about it. And one time he said, so it's just a couple months ago, he said, I'm going to go get the jab just so mom stops talking about it. Well, I didn't overinvest in that because he was obviously joking, but I actually believe that since then he has gotten them. He uh, told me that he didn't, but I am about 99.8% certain that he did. We won't go into why, because I know that so many of you are in the exact same boat, most of the millennials got the jab. Luckily, they're young. I think that their bodies will clear the graphene oxide in most cases. Um, I think we're in trouble when we keep injecting ourselves with graphene oxide or hydroxide over and over and over again. I mean, Fauci has said it's a matter of when, not if, that three jabs becomes fully vaccinated. And then, of course, it'll be a fourth. We'll absolutely have four jabs by the end of 
2022. And some people will seem to do fine. And that will give a whole lot of other people a false sense of security, won't it? So I really wish that I had had conversations with my kids about why I chose not to continue giving them vaccines. And I wish I had talked to them more about the fact that my third and fourth child have never been vaccinated. And what I learned, for instance, that other first world countries didn't vaccinate their children like America did. That gave me courage to stop, to stop doing it, even though the guys in the white coats will gaslight you and act like I'm the expert here. You should do what I say, or else you're putting your child at risk. That's a heavy thing to lay on a young mom. And part of what gave me courage to do it was how sick my children were after the jabs. Part of what gave me courage was reading and learning that other first world countries gave a fraction of the number of jabs that we were supposed to do, those of us having our children in the 90s and beyond. Uh, It was really helpful for me to learn since SIDS was my big, big fear as a mom. It was helpful for me to learn that Japan had a tiny fraction of the SIDS rate of the United States and Japan, interestingly, doesn't vaccinate their kids before the age of two. So you're taking these kids who are infants and newborns, you know, you get the hep B vaccine, which there's just absolutely no defense for that, why you would give the hep B vaccine in the first 24 hours of life in the hospital. And this is a, this is an illness that you get from sexual contact or doing drugs with needles, you know, and I think it's a throwback to before they knew they've only figured this out in the last 10 years that whatever protection you may get from a vaccine, it lasts two to five years max. So all those of us who think that, that smallpox and polio were disappeared by people getting the vaccine. Well, if there was any immunity from it, and my dad got the smallpox vaccine every year because he would have his military physical and they would say, you don't have any antibodies. So they would give it to him again. So if you believe that the smallpox and polio vaccines actually give you immunity to those diseases, we now know definitively that it gives you immunity for two, maybe five years. So it certainly did not eradicate smallpox and polio all over the planet. Uh, More likely better nutrition and indoor plumbing and sanitation did because smallpox and polio disappeared in non-immunizing countries faster than it did in immunizing countries. So just be thinking about what your family's story is about vaccines. Do you, maybe you got your kids all the vaccines and then you learned about it later. Maybe this whole fraud that is the COVID vaccine situation that we're all in woke you up to the bigger issue and you became aware that Dr. Sherry Tenpenny has been collecting the papers that get unpublished in the medical journals and their authors The researchers and doctors who publish those articles get discredited, and some of them, their careers destroyed, such as Dr. Paul Thomas in Oregon, who's a pediatrician who needs a quarter of a million dollars next month. I'll put the link down below if you feel to donate to him. He's a pediatrician. He has a huge practice. Well, why does he have a huge practice? Because he can take on a lot more kids than most can because his patients don't get as sick because they don't get all all the vaccines. He says he spends most of his time going around to the different rooms where his patients' uh, mothers are and talking them out of getting these vaccines, where there's between one and four deaths per year of that disease. And yet we're vaccinating millions of kids and the vaccines themselves, especially when you consider SIDS, which is a cover-up for vaccine death. When you consider those, it's so completely obvious that the childhood schedule, widely regarded to be safe and effective, is actually anything but. So have your conversation with them, even if it's just what you think of the COVID vaccine and that you wish you could go back in time and take a look at whether your kids who probably, your kids, I'm saying this to every single one of you, probably your kids have a whole bunch of physical issues and mental health issues. Okay, these kids are anxious. Their anxiety can be crippling. Um, they have skin disorders. 
which is evidence of, of a backed up liver. I hope you get them on our detox. I hope you as a family do our detox. I think in 2022, we'll probably detox more people than we have the whole last eight years put together since we launched this. And it's basically the program that I did that got me well after my jab injury. And then I was in bed for years, but with what energy I did have, I was studying what uh, doctors out there outside the mainstream were doing to get people well who had lots of toxic exposures and who got cancer or who got other illnesses and how they detoxified people. Okay, you don't need a detox for this and a detox for that. We all just need to bring down our toxic load. So that's one of the things that's really obvious that I wish I had talked to my kids more about because they really don't know much about vaccines. And they shouldn't have to know that much about them. None, none of them are parents. And who knew that they would try to force it on all the adults uh, in our society? You know, you can talk to them about history. And you could talk to them about the fact that in the 19th century, 262 million people in the 19th century were, were killed by their governments. So we really shouldn't take a look at our government and just assume that everything they do is correct and everything they do is benevolent and everything that they do is in our best interest. Because if you teach your children about organizations in general, teach them that above all else, organizations are self-perpetuating. Those organizations want to exist. They want to be funded. They want to grow their budgets. They want to hire more people. They want to take on more responsibility. Organizations want to maintain and grow. And solving the problem, the social problems, the economic problems of society, tasking government with that is a ridiculous proposition because if they solved the problem, they would put themselves out of work. So these are just the kinds of conversations to have with kids. And a lot of times you can have the conversations by asking them questions like that. Like, okay, let's talk about just cancer. If you were the government and you wanted to start a branch of government that was all about getting rid of cancer, how would you do it? Let your kid talk. And then ask your kid, okay, what if you were the head of that government agency and you were given a million dollars to get rid of cancer? Well, what would happen if you got rid of cancer? So your, your kid is smart and, and he'll start putting things together and give you answers that'll help you take the conversation to the next level. Another thing I want to tell you about having conversations with kids, teenagers, young adults, is to use the drip method. And that is talk a little bit about it. Have five conversations that are five minutes each rather than a 25-minute drink from a fire hose. Because I guarantee they're just going to go somewhere else in their mind and they're literally not even listening to you. And, and I can tell you that I did my very best this year to talk my children out of the jab. And I know that my daughters have not gotten it. And one of them works in California. Um, but I am quite certain that my youngest son has. And there's some more work I plan to do there. I'm going to reposition now knowing that he got the first two. And he gets, he now gets very mad. I can, I can tell when he got the shots. Now he gets very mad if I talk to him about it. So, and that's not my reason for thinking he did it. I have much, much better evidence than that. So another thing I would talk to my kids about is that I was supportive in the beginning of gay marriage. I was like, if a man wants to love a man, why should I care? If a woman wants to love a woman, why should I care? Sure, there are people who they just like the same gender from the time they're little. Who cares? So what? I don't care if they get married. None of that. Now, this was very much in opposition to the religion I was raised in and how my parents felt. My parents were very, very, very anti uh, the homosexual agenda. My mom saw just agenda from the beginning and I would roll my eyes. And as a teenager, I was like, well, I have gay friends and so I'm for it. Okay, well, here's what has happened. Since I was sleeping and I thought it was just about gay marriage and who cares if a woman loves a woman, let him do it. Like, why would I want to get in the way of that? Since then, it's become a cult. 
And now it's LGBTQIA+. Now, I told my husband last month that it was LGBTQIA+, and he was like, there's no IA. What do those stand for? And I'm like, I don't know, but there's an IA. And so then I Googled it and I showed him the big long list of search results that came up with that whole entire acronym. Well, when we went to Southern Utah to see my children over Thanksgiving, it looks to me like my children sort of planned an intervention, only it's kind of like a, a opposite of an intervention. They brought everybody out for that evening for dinner. I had I had invited them and then they were like, well, can I bring a couple of friends? And suddenly a couple of friends turned into 12 friends and all of them were from the LGBTQIA plus community. Well, you know, we had our very strange evening where, you know, we won't go sideways on that, but it was just strange evening. Then a couple of days later, when we were in our condo that we stayed at over Thanksgiving, I said, something about LGBTQIA++. And my younger daughter shrieked at me, there's only one plus, that's offensive. And she stormed out of the room. And that's when I got really thinking about it is that I think that plus on the end is just leaving it super open-ended so that they can keep adding new members of the cult that we are supposed to accept absolutely everything that's adulterated from what God sent us here to be. And so if I could have those conversations over with my children, I would tell them that God made male and female. Now, I don't pretend to know why we have one-year-olds who feel trapped in the wrong body. I, I knew a child like that. And that child is now Uh, a 17-year-old boy, but was born a girl. And that child did not want to be a girl from the time he was one. And I was there and I saw every stage of it. And I know this really happens and we cannot sweep that under the rug and we cannot ignore that. And I don't know why that happens. I don't know if it's, it's all the vaccines. I don't know if it's the toxic exposures that really jack up our endocrine system, which is how our hormones uh, interplay with each other. There's lots and lots of hormones. It's a very sophisticated, complex system. Is it possible that that got very, very messed up? Did we inject the DNA and the RNA of, of aborted fetuses of the other gender into our children's bodies when we gave them vaccines, thinking that we were preventing a disease? but actually confusing them gender-wise. I have a former employee who has five children and most of them are confused about their gender and refuse to be the gender that God assigned them. Um, Another one of my employees uh, has a 13-year-old who just announced that her girl name was not her name anymore and she gave herself a name. We'll We'll call this child Pat, just that's not the name that this child has assigned their self, but has chosen some pronouns and demands that everyone call them Pat. And here this mom is who's not prepared for this. We didn't see this coming. We didn't see this cult coming. But when my daughter yelled at me that there's only one plus and that it was offensive, I said, do you ever get tired of being offended? And, and what I, the conversation I would like to have with my children, and we'll find an opportunity to do so, I've also been talking with my youngest son, who has just recently become very hypnotized by the LGBTQIA plus cult. And I believe that the plus will eventually and probably soon include transhumanism as we start to merge humans with other life forms or machines. Um, I intend to tell my son that is a cult. It fits all the definitions of a cult, including that you start screaming at your mom because she put an extra plus on the end of the name of your cult, and then you storm out of the room. That's what cults do. And that should matter to my children because they know that their mom left 
the religious cult that I felt like I was raised in. It was, it was good in so many ways. And so I stayed many, many, many more years than I really wanted to, because I really liked the focus on the family. And I loved, you know, the focus on Jesus Christ and our father in heaven. And I wasn't quite aware of how to throw out the bathwater and keep the baby. Well, now I'm aware, but now my children are have individuated and have moved on and are adults of their own. So I wish that I had borne testimony of the divinity of my children as children of God. Could not be more simple, could not be more fundamental, but I wish that I had never taken that period of time. I wish I could have skipped it. I wish I could have not gone through that phase when they were still um, ages eight to 15 And I was quiet about it at the time, but your actions speak louder than your words. And my children just saw that I was escaping the cult that I had raised them in. So I I wish that I had that over over again. And I wish that I had uh, used the language of scripture and the language of um, God's wishes for us. And that I had not lost that for a period of years at a pretty tender age for them. Now that may not apply to you. You may be already very, very consistent in your own Christianity or your own belief set that would help inoculate your children better against cult beliefs like the LGBTQIA plus cult. But, you know, maybe you could have a conversation with your kids, whatever their age at, um, what is this? Why do they add two letters every couple of years? Have you noticed that every couple of years, even if you just bought in on gay marriage, that's all I signed on for. You know, there's a lot of people who are lesbian and gay who don't want the T in there. They're not really down for the transgendered um, recruit recruiting meetings. And the fact that these kids who express any confusion at all because they're pre-adolescents and pre-adolescents are by definition confused. And so this, this, this group sort of surrounds them and gives them the idea that they, what they really want is they want to be non-binary. They don't want those silly parents giving them a box to, to, to have to be in and be so limited by being a girl or, you know, who, who, just because when you were born, you have certain genitals doesn't mean your parents have the right to call you a boy. So this is the kind of cult think that our children are being indoctrinated by. And if you feel that that is antithetical to your own beliefs, because you believe that they were actually made by a loving God and that we get to go and live with him someday, probably better start talking about it. So that's those are probably the biggest conversations that I wish I had had with my children. I wish I had seen LGBTQIA plus coming, but it's a great question to ask when you're in the car with your teenager or whatever. So I'm just curious, what do you think the plus is? Do you, do you know what I and A are? Okay. So you don't know what they are. Well then, so you're for it, right? Like anybody who wants to be an I or an A or a T or a like, cause you know, the, the T's, the transgenders, if they're 15 years old and they want to lop off their God-given genitals and have a top surgery and a bottom surgery, do you realize that a therapist can't question them now and that a doctor can't question them now? Did you know that between 2016 and 2017, in one year, there was 400% more transgendered surgeries in one year, we increased the sex change surgeries by 400%. And you know what? Since 2016, when we started doing thousands and thousands of these gender reassignment surgeries, did you know that we've now been doing it for long enough, even though it's only been five years, that there's now plenty of people who got gender reassignment surgery and they aren't any happier and they want to go back to being the gender that God assigned them. They want to go back to being the gender that they were born into this world to be. And it's really tough when you've taken lots of hormones of the opposite gender and you've lopped off your God-given body parts. It's really hard to put you back together again. And now you are sort of 
a freak of of modern surgery. And with so many of these things, I'd love to have conversations with my children where we say, just because we can, does that mean we should? So these are just great topics to bring up and not to deliver a lecture, but to have a conversation. So if we can take people and we can inject them with a nano chip and we can tell where they are at all times and what they're doing, if we can do that, and it's the size of a grain of rice, should we? And then let your child explore that. You know, that's again, you know, some of your children, especially if they're 11 years old or younger and they're not on their way out the door to visit their friends, maybe they'll sit there and have a conversation with you about that for an hour. And some of you have adult children who will too. You know, I'm I'm not to the stage yet where my my kids are like, wow, mom, thanks so much for giving me so many opportunities as I was growing up. You really were a great mom. I mean, I, I'm seeing some of that sometimes with my daughters. Um, probably the biggest thing they want to tell me is that so much they learned from watching me uh, build a business and grow a business. But some of the things that my children say about their upbringing, I'm like, wow, this is this is what upper middle class entitled looks like, is that these kids uh, think that their parents literally aren't people. They're just an extension of their own needs. So that's pretty normal too, to have an adolescent or even a young adult child who hasn't yet stopped to think about the fact that you're just a person and being a parent is, is a very important part of you, but it's not all that you are and that you had to learn it as you go. And that whatever deficits uh, there may have been that um, that child could choose you could, you could take a look at the glass half full or the glass half empty. That child could take a look at the sacrifices that you made and the things that you did teach them and the amazing things. So I told you that I grew up with a childhood of tremendous abuse. I've also found the uh, amazing things in the fact that my parents didn't give me anything, never gave me a dollar after I was 16 years old, never, never gave me a dollar before either. But they were paying the bills. And I had a roof over my head and and $200 a year as a budget for clothes that taught me budgeting. And then I had to go get multiple part-time jobs as a 16-year-old. And I had to juggle going to school and getting A's and working to buy the things that I wanted and needed. And so I'm actually kind of glad my parents gave me nothing and didn't pay for college because college really meant something to me. And earning A's was a bigger accomplishment because I paid for it myself or I earned scholarships. And when I earned a scholarship and then lost it, I was devastated because I had earned it. So I don't um, harbor a lot of resentments for my parents, for the things they didn't give me. Did I give a lot more, especially financially to my children? Absolutely. Do they appreciate it? Nope. That's just their normal. They're not really comparing what they received in terms of, in terms of opportunities, in terms of my investment in their advanced education. They're not comparing it to what my parents gave me. That's a relative concept in my head. It doesn't, it's completely irrelevant in theirs. I wish that I had saved all the reference books that I had, whether it be for herbs or nutrition or whatever, when everything turned into being on the internet, I sort of assumed that we would be able to always look things up on the internet. Well, here's the problem. And this is something to tell your children too, is the content that people like me have developed for the last over 15 years on Green Smoothie Grill, it's invisible for you. If you go to search on something that I have blogged on extensively, you remember the several years that I was studying all of the toxic procedures and products in dentistry that contribute to our epidemic of autoimmune disease and cancer? Well, you could go and you could Google root canal risks and you won't land on my content. It won't be above the fold. You'd have to scroll and scroll for days to get to my content on that because Google has intentionally scrubbed uh, in the search results 
the kind of content that the natural health people are putting out there. So, I mean, you could go to the Green Smoothie Girl website and you could search on there and you could find lots of good content. But by Googling, you are going to be served up websites and content that are sponsored by pharma. And you won't always be able to tell by the name of the uh, actual website because pharma has been buying them up. They've been buying up the supplement companies. They've been buying up the legacy websites. Um, They've been buying up the small companies. So I would love to go back in time and tell my children where the internet is going and that owning books that empower them and tell them what kind of herbs to use and what kind of natural substances to use to heal the body when it's in dysbiosis, when it's not in balance, are super valuable because it's getting very, very hard to find that information on the internet. So I think I started to tell you this, and maybe I didn't, is that now I have a rule for myself that I have to have five conversations with my youngest son before I every one that I bring up about vaccines. Like I've probably worn out my welcome when it comes to talking about vaccines. And I think at this point, the next conversation I bring up with him, I've already had five conversations that are not related to vaccines are going to be, what are you going to do next with the third and the fourth that are going to be required of you in the next year so that you can continue to travel? So I wish that I talked to my kids more about nutrition. I did garden with them. They were out working in the garden with me, but I wish I'd talked to them about why. Why greens? Why vegetables? Why do they keep you healthy? Why is the standard American diet and all this packaged and processed food that their friends are eating, why does it lead long-term to some very poor health? Why detoxify? Why is it important to do a detox twice a year? One of the several pieces of evidence that led me to the conclusion that my 21-year-old son uh, got the jabs is that he asked me for the detox. So just by watching me do it twice a year, I think he, you know, he knows about it. And of course I talked about it. And as you do the Green Smoothie Girl 26-day detox, you could be dripping on your family about, oh, I feel so much better. They're going to see that you look better. And so that's probably the most important thing you can teach them. Because show rather than tell is always the best approach, of course, right? So why should they detox twice a year? What are the products that you want them to not use? Every single one of my kids asks me nutrition questions and they'll send me a picture of, you know, like the most recent one I can think of is that my son sent me a picture of a Synergy kombucha. And he's like, what do you think of this? I drink one every day. And I said, well, there may be live probiotics in it, but I think it's also really high in sugar. And so it's better than a soda, but it's not as much better as you would think it is. So that's probably my least favorite probiotic rich food. So um, it's an opportunity for me to tell them and not tell them too much either, right? Like don't overestimate their interest and go on a big long rant or next time they might not even want to ask you. So talking to them about why we need to eat fruits and vegetables and greens, that they're high in nutrients, that there's literally a couple hundred plant nutrients and vitamins and minerals that you only find in plants. For the most part, maybe some some well-grown meat products or animal products, but none of these packaged products have the nutrients they need, nor do they have the fiber they need. And so teaching your child, they have a 30 foot long gastrointestinal tract and it's all mushed into their body cavity is another topic. They don't see it. They don't ever see their GI tract. So it's really easy for them to ignore what's going on inside their body. It's really easy for them to ignore that they have a liver that serves them in at least 500 ways that they that they we know about that we've documented to tell your child you have a liver let me show you a picture of it look it up on the internet and show them a picture of a liver say you have one of these and you're only ever going to get one and you want to take care of it and the way you take care of it is by drinking plenty of water okay soda juice doesn't count drinking plenty of water the way you take care of it is by eating plenty of greens and vegetables And fruits too. Fruits are good for you. 
and, and, and tell them, you know what? Every five to 10 years, the diet industry brings in a new diet. It's not because we've finally figured out what good nutrition is and we're finally telling the people about it. No, that information already exists. It's kind of boring. It's not really all that sexy. It didn't just get discovered last month, but we know how to eat right for good health. We know what the people who live to be 100 without any cancer or autoimmune disease, we know what they're eating all over the world. They eat a lot of greens and they eat a lot of vegetables and they eat a lot of fruits and they don't count carbohydrates and they don't consider a mango the same kind of carbohydrate that a bagel is. They don't drink soda. They don't eat a lot of animal protein. Okay. And so this is something that the kids don't know. And if they are going to eat animal protein, they need to know. Most of these kids and these millennials who are adults, technically, they don't know what processed meat is. So, you know, that's another good car conversation. Do you know what processed meats are? Those are the ones that cause cancer. Those are the ones that I don't eat. You notice mom doesn't eat sausage and lunch meat and bacon. Okay. These are processed meats and there's all kinds of garbage added to them, nitrites and nitrates. So whatever you're learning about nutrition, not the latest diet, not the ketogenic diet, not the keto diet, not the paleo diet, not the carnivore diet, but but literally what the foundation is of nutrition. You know, I was feeding my kids good nutrition. I made the sacrifices. I made their meals. I made their food. They drank their green smoothie every day. But I, if I had it to do over again, knowing what I do now, if I had known it then, I would have had more conversations about the why. What is it that's in this green smoothie that makes you feel so great? What did I put in it today? You know, when they're old enough, they're not. When you make the first one and it's kind of brown and they won't drink it, that's one thing. But when it's a lifestyle like it was for my kids, if it's brown, if it's purple, if it's green, whatever, they would drink it. Like, here's what I put in it today and here's why. Like, if you just, through the drip method, teach them what good nutrition is, needs to be a hundred different conversations. I remember thinking that I did a great job of teaching my kids about sex because I was really proud of myself for giving them the whole thing um, front to back and teaching them with anatomically correct terms, not silly terms. I looked them in the eyes. I wasn't embarrassed about it. Like that's what I knew how to do when I was in my late twenties. And what my daughter said when she was in her twenties is mom, you had one conversation with me. It was completely overwhelming. You were using all kinds of words I didn't know. I was in shock that my parents did this and that men and women all over the world did this. I wasn't even taking in what you were telling me because I was so blown away by it. And she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Like I probably had a great conversation with her and and her dad and I took her out to dinner and we taught her all this stuff. She retained basically none of it. And she said, you should have been having lots of conversations with me. And she's not wrong. Would have been so much better if I would have, would have had lots of conversations. But you guys, these are the conversations that are so easy to skip. It's so easy to skip because these are the important conversations that aren't urgent. They aren't urgent. I mean, I remember when my youngest son was dating, having conversations with her, with him, where I said, this girl you're taking out on a date, remember that she is someone's whole world. She is her parents' whole world. And you bring her home as good as when you took her or or better. Okay, she is precious cargo. She is a child of God. You treat her with respect. Okay, if it's not an absolute yes, it's a no. If you're not even sure if it's a yes or a no, it's a no. Okay, you want to put some moves on that girl. You make sure that she wants to. And if you're not sure if she wants to, she doesn't want to. So these are the kinds of conversations that I remember having with my son. Who knows if he retains them? You know, I probably, in my memory, had a hundred conversations with him where I said, that acne on your face, if you would just give up dairy for 30 days, you've got to give it 30 days to see if it clears up. And he wasn't opposed to it. And I think like a couple of times he did it for a couple of days, but then he would go to his friend's houses and that's where the dairy was. It was easy enough to not eat dairy at our house. I don't buy it. But then when he was 19, it was at least, you know, that idea was planted when he was 19. 
he got rid of the dairy. Now he doesn't eat dairy. Now he has beautiful skin. Well, he went through his entire adolescence. It was like from, from his 14th birthday all the way through high school, he had acne. He was this good looking kid, six foot four, you know, baseball pitcher, very well liked, very funny, very good looking, but he had this acne. And he could have gotten rid of it a long time before if he just would have figured out to get completely rid of dairy. And you know what I didn't realize until years later, and I had two boys who went through this this baseball team and this amazing baseball coach, is that the baseball coach took them up to the de- the, the clubhouse out at the baseball diamond and had them drink chocolate milk. He thought that it made them have strong bones. So he's out there giving kids this acidic, mucus forming garbage that I would have never fed my children. And then they had the consequences that they did. And my son had the horrible acne. Well, this baseball coach doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to nutrition. And he thought he was doing a good thing for the boys and he was doing a bad thing for them. So I wish I had known that. There's things you find out as a parent that people tell you later that you don't, you didn't know. So, okay. Talking to, talking to your kids about how limited Google is and how Google has gotten rid of just about everything in the world of natural health and that mom has books and get those books. If we have to rebuy the same books, I'm going to be on a quest to rebuy some books that I lost in the move or gave away in the move that I wasn't even six months ago. I wasn't thinking about the fact that there's a whole a whole lot of lost science and lost art of healing and staying healthy that's going to be lost when they clean up the internet. Because the World Economic Forum and these guys who brought us COVID or the bioweapon or the man-made virus or whatever it is you think it is, their next plan is a cyber pandemic. And I would guess that while the internet is down, they will scrub everything that competes with their narrative right on off the internet, including my website, Green Smoothie Girl. We back it up once a week. We could put it back up, but that doesn't mean that they won't take it back down. So having those books on hand so that your children can read them, having the Green Smoothie Girl detox on hand so that you can actually use it so that it's not just an an electronic form where you can lose it. They are actively censoring the cloud. They are removing things from the cloud. I went to an event in Ocala, Florida, where Dr. Ryan Coles and Dr. Heather Dessers' PowerPoints were removed from the cloud. They sent them to the event and they were removed. Other people have said that their uh, Google Docs have been removed from uh, from the Apple suite. So we're definitely getting to a point where we are all such plugins to the Borg that they can just wipe out certain pieces of our identity, certain pieces of our property, our information, the things that we rely on for our business, for our health. So just be aware of that and have those conversations with your children. So we talked about the LGBTQIA plus cult and how it has evolved. Your children don't don't know how it has evolved. It used to be just trying to get adults to consider uh, letting marriage not just be between a man and a woman, but between a man and a man and a woman and a woman. I think that pedophilia is on its way to being accepted. I think that that could be in that alphabet soup of all those letters. It looks to me like that is on its way to uh, there being a campaign so that the people of the world accept it. So talking to my children more about nutrition, yes, I gave them good nutrition, but I wish I had talked to them more about it. I helped them learn how to garden. I have a child who's really into gardening now. So in some ways I did do these things. In some ways I wish I could go back and I wish I could say much more. Buying books, having books on hand, real books. This one right here, the real Anthony Fauci that I'm reading right now, just literally buying this and making sure it's in people's homes, as many of them as you can. We went on Christmas day to our friend's house and made sure they had a copy of this book. Like having an actual hard copy in physical, in-person record of what this man has done to public health all over the world and the, the money he has stolen from the American people and the ways that he has 
um, lied to us all the way back from HIV and AIDS all, all the way till now, where he suppressed early treatment. And it, it, he and his buddy Bill Gates on the phone every single week uh, planning ways so that Americans cannot be treated for COVID and only have to just get vaccine after vaccine after vaccine. And eventually it isn't to be optional. That's their plan. It's to not be optional. And then I'm sure that there's uh, mandatory flu vaccines and every other kind of disease you can think of. We're just going to be injected again and again and again if you and I don't stand up to it. So having these conversations with your kids where you tell them just because it's on TV doesn't make it true. And you may have to talk them through that. Like, can you imagine ways? Can you imagine ways that someone on TV would say something that's not true? Give them a little something to chew on and to think about and to say back to you why. Well, what if you're you're a big drug company and you have billions of dollars? And what if you give lots of money to that TV station? Do you think that they're going to criticize your products? What if you gave them over half of their, their advertising budget? That's what keeps people there employed. Do you think they're ever going to criticize anything about your product or your entire industry? How would you control the entire media if you wanted to? What if you had 10 or 20 years to completely control the media so that the media never, ever says anything but good things about your product, even if your product has killed 20,000 people in America and has injured a million people in America? Do you think that's possible? Like making it more of like a conversation, make sure to ask questions and to listen. And then the conversation goes better and then it's not a 20 minute uh, lecture. So like having books like that out there in circulation and having our children read them. I had a, a little chart going on as my kids were growing up where they got points for how many books they read, like how many pages they read. But some books... Like that would be one. I would give them triple points for that one. And there was a prize, you know, once they hit a thousand pages or 1500 pages, depending on how old they were, they got some kind of prize. I remember one of the prizes was that mom and dad take you out for a date and we went ice skating and uh, they would do, they would do anything for a night out with mom and dad and enjoy that. If you have children who are 11 years old and younger, because you know, once they're older than 11, they mostly just want to hang out with their friends and that's okay too. Totally developmentally normal. So remember to always remind yourself of that developmentally normal. When your child is individuating, remember that's the goal. We want them to individuate. We don't want them to be just extensions of us. We don't want them, you know, like living in our house and sitting on our couch eating potato chips when they're 35. Like that's not the goal. Remember, so individuating is is painful for parents when they just, you know, hung on our every word and everything that we said was we were the coolest and they just adored us. And then they get to be teenagers and every single thing that we say, they roll their eyes and just remember developmentally normal. So I hope you give you have some ideas there for conversations that you can have with your kids because it certainly is a new world out there. And I feel in so many ways like I wasn't prepared for what happened. And I know a lot of you relate to that. So thank you so much for this idea of talking about some of the things that I wish that I had talked about if I knew then what I knew now. Don't forget to do the Green Smoothie Girl Detox. People are signing up for it down below. Down below, I put, I'll put the sign up to just join us. But also, if you just want to know more about it, I'll put the uh, video masterclass down below too. But you can jump in and watch four videos by yours truly about my decades of research in human detoxification and what I learned and then what I put into practice from all of these great clinicians and researchers from all over the world is how I got out of bed. And it's how I got my life back and wrote 16 books and spoke in 450 cities all over the world and raised four children to adulthood. Obviously, those aren't things you do if you're unwell. But I really did spend four years in bed and I couldn't because I was pregnant or breastfeeding. I really couldn't uh, do the detoxing, but I could plan it and learn about it. And so plan and learn, I did. And then I put it into play and I got well. I brought my toxic body burden down and now I detox twice a year. Uh, John and I are getting started in January with all of you joining us. And I think we have a lot of work to do to help a lot of people uh, get better. Even the people who didn't get the jab are super concerned about staying out of the hospital. 
a lot of us just would really like to steer clear of that medical system altogether because we've seen it become extremely subverted in the last two years. Like it already was, and we just didn't see it and think about it as much. But now we've seen that if you don't want a certain treatment in the hospital, you might be have it forced on you. And your loved one might be kicked out of the hospital for saying no to it. Well, all these stories that I hear all day, every day, maybe you guys hear it less than I do. What these stories have done for me is made me more committed to doing the detox and to putting these basic principles to stay healthy and to keep our minds sharp and to look and feel good till we're old, to keep, to keep those in play. And probably the most important one for me is a twice a year detox. So the link to the video masterclass to learn about it is down below. And also the link is down below to just jump in and join us. And we'll see you in there in January. See you next time.